Good to see you tonight. We're going to conclude this uh, series of classes. Uh, I think I made a mistake because last um, time we gathered, I gave you the handout for tonight and reminded you to all bring them back. And I see the way they got gobbled up there that maybe that didn't exactly happen. So I've got some more that are running right now. Tonight's primary um, teaching focus is to be journaling. How many of you have a journaling handout, the one on journaling? How many don't have the handout right now? You don't have the handout? One, two, three, four, five. Okay. I think if you go get them now, Amber, I think they'll be done. Hopefully. I just just hit the thing to do uh, ten more. And then I didn't know how fast we would work through that, so... There's another one that sort of goes with the series. I think I mentioned before, it's like a a 15 or 12 to 15 week series. So we're only only touching half, but um, I felt like the uh, one on silence, um, just being quiet before the Lord is really important. So I'm including that so you'll have the information. Who needed all these? Three? So first of all, um, part of what I want to do tonight is sort of pick up through all the other weeks. If you have questions, I want to leave time so that you can ask them, so you can be thinking about um, about that, about all the other topics we've looked at, at the need for spiritual discipline, how it's called for uh, in the scriptures, and how it's just an absolutely uh, essential part of the Christian life. It's part of our sanctification, and to, to think that we can't progress. Um, without building that discipline in our life is just to be foolish. So we've we've looked at that to set the, the groundwork, and then we looked at the absolute and central nature of Bible intake and, and um, the big sense of what does that mean. And from there, if we're going to take in the Bible, we don't take it in just to, just to grow smarter or to, or to grow in our intellect or our understanding. That's part of it. You have to have it in your uh, in your mind before you can take and internalize it in your heart and seek to obey it, but it's more than just obedience. Now we have to try to apply it, so that applies to thinking right, which we looked at. We've got to think the truth. We have to think biblically about everything, and we have to take the word that we've learned, and we have to pray biblically. So we think biblically, we pray biblically, because we're taking in the Bible, and that is the essence of the Christian life. And so... We've looked at that in detail, and now from there we're going to go to um, tonight uh, journaling. And I'll just say right on the on the on the beginning, everything else we looked at was prescriptive. It's a command. I mean, I could give you a dozen places where it's commanded. Tonight's not prescriptive. I I can't come up with a verse that says you must journal. Okay, so I'm telling you that. But the practical application of of 
uh, all of these others lends itself well to you would be wise to journal in some fashion. So we're going to look at uh, some of those possibilities, what that might look like, how that might help you, and uh, hopefully that will be a blessing. I want to thank you. Um, I'm the old guy here. I, I mean, I, I have taught for years and years and years and years, and I, the one that's teaching can tell whether the ones you're teaching and preaching to are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And it's just been such a blessing to see you guys just so anxious to take in the word and truths. And what an encouragement that has been personally to me and as I've shared that with the with the other men. And uh, and secondly, I want to I want to thank you for um, because of that. It's made it it's helped me. I have I've doubled down on wanting to be disciplined in all these areas myself. You can't teach it without being convicted yourself. I've been convicted. I need more discipline in my life. I've been convicted. I I need more Bible in my life, and I, that Bible needs to translate not just to some lesson I'm teaching, but to life and godliness. And so it needs to impact how I think and how I pray. And Yes, even how I journal, which we're going to look at tonight. So you've all been part of my sanctification as you've sat there, responded to, to the word. And uh, if, the, if the class has been a, a particular blessing to you, and it would be a help, I believe it would be a help, and it, it would be a help to you just to verbalize that. I, I know this is a, a fearful thing, but it is a, a classroom. If there's, if there's something that the, the Lord has done to you, something you've committed to, and it would just be helpful as well as encouraging uh, to just to give a testimony uh, of that, you know, a brief one. I want to give you an opportunity to do that as well. So does anybody have a testimony of, of something that the Lord has done in these in these five weeks that we've been together that you'd be willing to share uh, with someone else? I know, that's tough. I've been um, able to have a more, like a daily time with the Lord in the morning and to really make sure I'm setting enough like making that a serious commitment for the time, and that's been very helpful to me. Amen. Um, just to devote that time to the Lord and just be alone with Him and His Word and having that flow into everything else and just learning and then being able to think through, okay, what, you know, how, what is He teaching me? How can I share this with others? Amen. Um, just a lot of your practical Great. things have been very helpful to me. Um, but the Lord, Lord Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, by simply doing that, he's humbled himself. Number well, number one, so he's got grace. But but number two, you're gonna now you're gonna face a test. Uh, okay, so um, uh, you know, hang, hang on. Um, but but he's also this is we're we're the family of God. It's sanctification. So um, by him doing that, you you ought to feel it's Isaac, right? You ought to feel just fine. Walk right up to Isaac anytime and say, Hey, how's your time? in the word going in the morning and um, that will actually help in Isaac's sanctification and you know what it'll help you because you won't ask him that with a smile on your face if you're not doing it. you see how that works you see how that works that's how we grow together in grace but when we all walk around with a I'm fine you're fine we're fine and, and, and we're never honest with anybody rather than saying hey you know I'm really struggling with my prayer life would you, would you, would you pray with me would you, would you ask me next week how I did this week that's how we really grow, right? That's 
that's what we, we ought to be doing, the, the body life, the, the discipleship. Anybody else have something you would share? Just as an encouragement to everybody else. It would be an encouragement to me, but to everybody else. Okay. Then look at your um, handout. We're looking at um, the discipline of keeping uh, a journal. And so I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's parts of it that I'm going to read. You see there I have Psalm 145.4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Uh, I brought an old journal here tonight that I may uh, read something out of it to you, but this one, um, I've done all different kinds. You can see it's pretty well worn, but... I started this one on March 13th in 1983, and I completed it on November 7th in 1983. And I have them all listed and then numbered, and I have them on shelves. And I really don't—I don't know how many there are. There's a hundred and some, but it's my walk with the Lord. And I know this is going to be a shock when I'm not here one day, but I am going to die. Okay, I mean that's going to happen. I'm not looking forward to that happening like in the next five minutes but it might and if it does I know where I'm going but I'll tell you this when I die there is a written record of my walk with God and I have got grandchildren that will benefit from that they, they can know um, me interacting with my God as I walk through the difficulties of life and Judy does the same thing, so uh, the same uh, with my wife. And oftentimes our, our journals um, overlap each other. And we are the great beneficiaries of, of men and women down through the ages who have journaled and kept those journals, and those journals have been turned into biographies or sometimes autobiographies. And, and um, it's just um, the, the blessing you can be even from the grave if you keep a journal is, is something beyond what you can even imagine but ultimately that's not that's not the greatest purpose the greatest purpose is for your spiritual growth and that's what I, I want to show you so um, look at the handout on August 29th 1982 I began what I call a spiritual journal and from that day to this I have written down what God is teaching me from his word how that relates to my life experiences oftentimes I've written out key passages of scripture that spoke to me that day I have recorded blessings and victories I have recorded afflictions and defeats I've analyzed many of these experiences in my journal in hopes to learn for the future and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to share with you um, why I think that journaling is, is so important uh, of course we have the journals of so many, and I've, I've written them down there, Jim Elliott. Uh, if you read Jim Elliott's uh, journals, um, even before he was uh, martyred, or George Mueller. Um, and, and you don't have to prescribe to every single thing that, that these men believed or did, but, but it was their walk with God and it was part of their sanctification. It's just an amazing thing uh, to read. Jonathan Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' wife, I think she had 19 children. And, um, I, I mean... That's a hoedown, 19 kids. I mean, I don't know. How many do you need for a football team? I mean, that's, that's 
you're getting close. Um, and and um, and she wrote a lot and kept track of a lot of of, of her life. Of course, Spurgeon and uh, so many others. Uh, I, I've gotten down there where the word um, writing or what we turn have turned into the word uh, journal from. And I think it's a really important concept. You've all gone up to the parkway uh, or someplace where there's that bridge or that tree uh, or that bench, and and if all those people have carved all their initials and all of their names and all the little hearts and you know LB plus JP, true love forever. You know, they're all, it's all carved there, and it's carved in the wood. You've all you've all seen that, and, you know. And when it's carved in there, it's still there years later. That's what writing does. When, when you write something out, it does something. It carves it into your soul, and, it, and, it, and it's there, and it, and it helps you um, to remember in, in a way that just won't happen if you just study but you never write anything down. If, if you just pray but you don't, you don't ever record the results of, of those uh, prayers. And so um, journaling is profound in that same way. It sort of writes something on your on your soul, if you will, that helps you remember. And so, uh, you know, that that's the object. Um, there isn't a right way, not a way that I can say, you need to do it this way, so I'm, I'm giving you a lot of ideas. I, I'm sure there's wrong ways, um, but I think they would be obvious to all of us, but th- there's many different ways, so it's not the point for you to copy me or to do what I do, but to, to find your own way to begin to record and encourage yourself. And so um, so why? Why keep a journal? So look at page two, and we'll start there. And one of the reasons is to help you remember the works of his hands. You know we're very, very forgetful people. Uh, we forget how God has delivered us over and over and over again. We forget how God has answered prayer. We forget how God has, has carried us through seasons when we just didn't think we could make it and and we forget we are very we think we won't remember that and the very next time we have a crisis we've already forgotten the faithfulness of God but if you have written out in your own words God's faithfulness and what you were going through during that time that you can go back and you can read that yourself it's good to read about David Brainer but it's a whole lot better if I'm in a time of trial to read about Larry Brody and God's faithfulness to Larry Brody because I didn't know David Brainer, but I know me and 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 I you know the, the temptations never change and, and and you look and you say yeah the temptations never change the the weaknesses don't change they're still there but so is God and he he unchangeable too and the, and the same God that was yesterday and met me at my need yesterday is today and he'll meet me in my need today and then meet me in my need tomorrow. Does that make sense? And so you you have those recorded uh, in a fashion for the glory uh, of Christ. I have down there First Chronicles 16.12 Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say I have no pleasure in them. Um, that's Ecclesiastes 12.1 uh, Remember his marvelous works which he has done, the wonders and the judgments of his mouth, First Chronicles 16, 3. I will remember the works of the Lord, Psalm 77, 
12 and 13. What are the Psalms? Over and over and over again in the Psalms, there is a recording so that the children of Israel wouldn't forget of God's deliverance of them over and over again, or David writing over and over again so that, that he would remember how God has delivered him over and over and over again. The Psalms are, are full of that. And so we have that example that we ought to not forget. I'm going to show you something that I think is interesting. It's not prescriptive, but I don't know. To me, it spoke to me years ago. Look at Exodus for a moment. Excuse me, um, Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy 17. It's going to seem like a strange place, I suppose, to go. But I want to show you something. So, you know, the children of Israel weren't happy with God as their king. They weren't happy with the theocracy, so they wanted their own king. You, you, know, you know the whole story. So finally they're going to get to the point where they're going to get their, their own king. But, but God gives them some instructions um, about those who are going to sit on the throne, those that are going to lead them. And I find in these instructions... Um, something that has been very, very helpful for my um, soul. I want you to look at the end of verse 19 in chapter 17. It says that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and to be careful to observe all the words of the law and the statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days and his kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. It's too bad Belshazzar didn't read this. Hmm? Um, but we've read it. And if I might recommend sometime in your pilgrimage, take three months out and study deeply the fear of the Lord. Learn what it means to fear the Lord. Look at the promises that are there and the warnings that are there. If we do fear the Lord or if we don't fear the Lord, it'll be an amazing study. Right here, God is saying, listen, if the king is going to rule and have the blessing of God in his life, he better learn to fear the Lord. We need to learn to fear the Lord. Amen? We live in a, in a day and age when people don't fear the Lord. And what an amazing message this morning about the difference between a Nebuchadnezzar and a Belshazzar. Well, I, I'd rather be neither one of them. I, I'd like to not have to be put out to pasture and be some kind of a strange bird for, you know, for, for a year eating grass. I, I'd like to repent daily. Wouldn't you? I wouldn't. I'd rather walk with God every day of my life, and that was God's intent for the king. Okay, you want a king, then then the king needs to walk with God, and I want you to see what he says that the king needs to do. That's the point of why I'm bringing you here. Let's back up to um, we'll just go to verse 16. It won't seem like at first that it has anything to do with what I'm saying, but you'll you'll get it when I get there. But he shall not multiply horses to himself. 
Well, see, because pride will 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 take everything from you. So in that day, if the, if you had a lot of horses, you had a lot of power. You had a lot of military power. So look, don't spend your life putting your hope in the things that are going to give you power. That's 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 the essence of what's being said here. So in that day and age, horses would have been in. So that was a, a warning he's saying to these future kings. Neither shall you multiply wives. Well, we know what happened as an example um, with Solomon when he did turned his heart. Um, again, purity and uh, thinking right, how, how important it was. And right, and right from the beginning, that was a, that's a big deal to fearing the, the Lord. That's the way the king should be, and it's something that, that we desperately need. So you see all these things that are in here. None of them surprise you. And, and look, he says that the, the, the multiplying wives is going to turn you away from the Lord. Immorality will turn you away from the Lord. It just will. And it's blatant, and it's all around us, and it's a battle that everybody has to fight. But we have to fight it. And look, he keeps he keeps going down, and he says, don't multiply to yourself silver and gold. You know, don't look for power. Don't look to lust after everything. Don't, don't look to... To be rich, to be wealthy, all of those things put you in a position where you think you don't need God. And as soon as you're there, you are in mammoth danger. You're danger of the wrath of God. You're in Belshazzar kind of territory. And, and you don't even realize it. And look what he says in verse 18. Also, it shall be, when he sits on the throne in his kingdom that he shall, what does it say next? You got it there? Who could read that for me? Somebody? Anybody looking at this besides me? Yes, Lisa? It says, write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. Wow. What's he saying to do? What's, what, is he, what is he telling the king how to do once he sits, when he sits on his throne? I mean, when he sits on the throne, you got to check what the surroundings are. You got to check his armies. You got to check how much gold he's got. You got to keep track of all of his women. No, when he sits on the throne, what does he need to do? What does he need to do? What does it say? He needs to get himself a piece of parchment, right? I mean, he didn't have an iPad. He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't have one of them deals that you have in your wrist, right? And he's supposed to write himself his own personal copy of the word of God. Doesn't that strike you as being amazing? So let me go back to the start. Don't you think God knows that when you write out the word of God, that you etch it on your heart? And, and you'll learn to fear the Lord? So there's a good reason to journal. I purpose to do this every single day of my life. The very first thing I do when I get up in the morning so I'm, I'm telling you my fragility. The very first thing I do now, it's changed a little bit because we live in 2021. I, I walk out of my bedroom door and I shut it and I go, Alexa, turn on the kitchen lights. <laughs> That's the first thing I do. Let there be light. And then the lights go on and I haven't figured out how to do this because if I could get Alexa to do this, I'd do this too because then I have to push the button for my water boiler. I guess you don't call them a water boiler. I don't know. What do you call, what are they called in this day and age? 
you know, the, the, the things that boil water. I call a water boiler, okay? And I take my freshly ground Verona Starbucks coffee and I put it in a pour over. And, you know, when you grind it, if you have a, a thing there that's how much that you need for, you know, a pot, like for six cups. And so I set that thing there, you know, for the, the six cups. And then I, I put, you know, the five healthy scoops, which is about enough for a nice six-cup pot of coffee. And I put my one cup underneath, and then I wait till my water boils, and I, I pour my cup of coffee. That's to wake me up and get me going. Um, I just ruined my testimony with all of you. You just can't believe that, right? And, and then I, I go into my office, and I get my Bible. That's my throne. And I sit on my throne, and I take a pen, and I write a copy of God's Word every single day. There's no days that I don't do that. There's no days that I don't do that. And, oh, I do a lot of other things, but every day the first thing I do is I'm writing uh, a verse or three verses or five verses or half a paragraph. It just just depends. And I can't tell you that there's necessarily a method other than when I sit on the throne, I'm going to write God's word because I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let him set my mind and let him set my heart before I let my heart or my mind set on anything else in this world. And it's been a, a tremendous value for me. It helps me to fear the Lord. As it says here, look back at verse 18. And when he sits on the throne, he shall write him a copy of the law in a book. And we, and we know this is a copy of God's word because he's going to get it from the priests and the Levites, right? I mean, they didn't have a printing press. Everybody didn't have a, a, a Bible. Um, uh, even even the Pentateuch. Um, and so um, somebody had to take the scribes and, and, and make copies, and the king was to get a copy and make a copy of a copy for himself. Well, why for himself? Be- because you need to do more than come down here on Sunday and hear the word. You need to hear the word every single day. And if he doesn't have his own copy, how's he going to get the word every day? He hasn't got a smartphone. He doesn't even have a Bible. If he doesn't write his own, he won't have his own. And that's how important it is to have the Word of God and to take it in every day. And and so this is the instruction that it's given. And then it goes on to say, look at verse 19, because I think this is just really amazing. So first he's supposed to sit on the throne, and he's supposed to start and write himself a copy of the law. I mean, that's, that's what he's going to do while he's sitting in his kingdom. He isn't, I don't think this has the sense that he sits there until the whole copy of the law is written. I mean, you know, I don't know how much he wrote every day, but this is what he's to do. And then what's he do after he has that his own copy? Look what it says in verse 19. And it shall be with him. Uh, the idea is uh, he didn't just do it as an as a exercise. He's going to take that word with him. Now, whether he took that word with him physically or whether it's one of those things he's meditated on and he took the truth and he's going to take that truth with him through the day, I can't tell you. I I don't know. And this isn't prescriptive. It's just a historical um, account. But isn't that insightful that this is what God would have the king do? Write a copy of the law and make sure that what you're writing 
that however you do that, you're, you're taking that with you today. When you go to the Word, one of the things you should be looking to do is what I get today, what I get this morning, I'm taking it with me throughout this day. So that's another reason to journal. And not only does he take it with him, he's to read it. How often is he to read it? Look what it says in the rest of verse 19. He's to read it all the days of his life. Now, don't you find that incredible? I mean, just packed right here. Here's what the king was to do. He's to sit on his throne. He's to get a, a copy of the law from the Levites and the priests. He's to begin to write his own copy. And then he's to take that so that he has it, so that it's his, so he owns it. And, and then he's to read it himself all the days of his life. And what will be the result? Look what it says will be the result. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God. That he might not be lifted up. They might not turn aside. God might bless him and prolong his days. I'm going to finish well. I'm a lot closer to finishing, at least we would think I'm a lot closer to finishing than most of you, and none of us know for sure. But the way to finish well, however long that God gives you, is exactly what we've been talking about here for five five sessions. And, and journaling will help cement that um, in your mind so that you're able to take it with you, whatever it is that you've, you've learned. So that's number one. Number two, it helps provide light on dark days as you review God's faithfulness, answered prayers, provision, direction. And, and so often, um, and, and I've done it different ways, but you'll write an answer to prayer. You'll write a, a provision. Um, maybe you write a, a lesson learned. Maybe, maybe you write, um, you failed what God taught you. I mean, this is really, really early in my sanctification, but it's always good for my spiritual growth to read it. So I read it to every class whenever I do this. March 14th, 1983. I'm working in a construction site in a power company. We're building a nuclear power plant. I'm in the site office and working for Babcock and Wilcox and um, had a role in the... Um, in the construction and the startup of the Midland Nuclear Power Plant. And I'm a fairly new believer, and I'm doing my daily devotions, and I'm writing in a journal. And uh, I had some real conflicts with my newfound faith and living out that faith. And um, I... I'm embarrassed to say it even today, but here is one of the conflicts. As I worked there, I got to know who the other believers were. And so, over here were my believer friends. And sometimes, I'd go out to lunch with my believer friends. And we'd all gather together because we're believers and we love Christ. Wherever we would go to lunch, what would we do before we eat? What would we do before we eat? Come on, we're going to pray. We pray. Hey, yeah, right. Sometimes I pray. Sometimes you pray. Sometimes you really pray. And that's what believers do, right? When you get together. Sorry, guys. 
You're my lost friends. I'm <laughs> my lost friends. I go out to lunch with them too. When I go out to lunch with my lost friends, the lost people pray. Man, that time for prayer. I would be still would be caught dead doing that. So when I go out with my lost friends, I'd be just like the lost friends. You would be able to tell me from them. We wouldn't pray. We would just get our food and we would just eat. Well, that worked okay for a while. But one day, I had the multitude together. I had my lost friends sitting here. I got my, my saved friends sitting here. And my food comes, and all of a sudden, it occurs to me that I am the world's biggest hypocrite. And that all the lost people are going to notice if I bow my head down and pray. But all my saved friends are going to wonder if I don't bow my head and pray. What's the deal? I had a real dilemma. This was the next day in my journal. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, isn't God funny? I mean, does God have a sense of humor or what? John six eleven. And so then I write this question in my journal. Do I follow Jesus' example? Do I give thanks to God from whom all blessings flow? I better start right today. And I write this prayer. Forgive me, God, for my soft little choices. I've made it work about prayer that have been dishonoring to you. I've never forgotten that. It's, it's, it's impacted me now for however many years that has been. And I decided at that moment, I, I really don't care what anybody thinks about whether I pray or not. I'm going to bow my head and I'm, I'm going to pray. But I had to come to that crisis. And I've written this crisis down. And this crisis is good for me to read. Because you know what? It's really easy for me to get too big for my britches. It's really easy for me to start thinking I've arrived. And then I open this thing up and I remember, apart from the grace of God, I am absolutely nothing. I wouldn't even pray in front of a couple of people. That's what kind of a coward I was. But I need to read that about me because that's the truth about me if it were not for the grace of God. And may I say the same thing? You need the same thing. You need that honesty with yourself. That's what a journal does. It helps you. And so there's, there's practical uh, examples of how a journal can be um, a blessing to you and, and is to myself and hopefully to you now that I've told you that little story all these years all these years later number three it helps you to evaluate your day honestly that's part of what I was doing there right I'm, I'm looking at my day and I'm seeing my hypocrisy and I'm confessing that before the Lord and um, it, it helps you not to um, waste your life it, it lessens looking through rose colored glasses as I've, I've put there um and so, you know, you think through things. Uh, did I walk with grace? Did I did I walk by faith? Did, did I believe a lie today? Did I walk in unbelief? Uh, you know, the walk in humility. And you, you use the prayer journal sort of as a discipleship tool for your own life and your own your own uh, walk with uh, the Lord. Number four. To help you reflect on the meaning of your experiences. Some things you only understand looking through the rear view of the mirror. I, I've, I've lived long enough to be absolutely certain 
this is the way, walk in it. This is what God wants me to do. I was sincere. And as I got down the road and was able to look back, I found out that I was sincerely wrong. You know, you live long enough, you'll be sincere. You'll think your motives were right. Uh, You'll think you checked all the right boxes. And you'll look back in the mirror and, and God will show you, no, actually, you were completely wrong. And, and, and that's going to happen to you. And, and, and when it does, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, because, number one, it shows you how gracious he is, how long-suffering he is, how merciful he is, how it is that you can't blow it so bad that it makes him have to have plan B. He's still on plan A. And, and, and he meets you right at your weakness. But because you've journaled, you, you have that perspective, and you look back and you go, wow, why did I think I was so certain? What, what was it that I was thinking wrong? And then what, what did I learn as I look back and see that I, that I made the error? It's been so very, very helpful and sanctifying to me. Do, is that clear? Do, do you understand what I'm getting at? I'm going to give you a simple example. I can remember once being driven by mysticism. In other words, well, God opened the door. This must be it. I'm going to walk through it, you know. And so God opened the door because two or three circumstantial things happened and, and, and I bought a house, and, and when, when, I, when I bought the house, after I, I bought the house, I found out that there was all kinds of trouble with the house, and if I'd have been smart, I wouldn't have bought the house, but I was sure it's exactly what God was doing. And, and so, you know, so looking back, I, I, I could see, and I could, I could list the errors that I made, and, and I could humble myself before the Lord and, and learn from my errors well, do you know how many houses I've bought since that day? I don't even know how many houses. But if you're going to buy a house, it's probably good that you have a realtor. But if you don't have one, just come see me. I can tell you. I have done everything wrong that I've possibly done wrong, so I could give you a lot of right, good advice. But it's because I learned. And, and, I, and I had it there. And it's not just learn. It's learn spiritually how easy we're lifted up in pride and how easy it is we just want to believe. We want to believe our deceitful hearts because we want what we want. I want the house. And I wanted it quick, and I wanted it just to be done. I didn't want the hassle. So I just jumped into it rather than do the other things that I should have done. But journaling helped me see myself as I really was because I was keeping track of my life. And I recognize you can't do that with every single thing you do all day, but there's those major things that you have in your life that you can track and make note of, and it'll help you. So you... You reflect on the different meaning of your experience. Number five, it helps you clarify your thinking. Thoughts are developed and clarified as they're put down in writing. I put you that um, quote there. Thoughts distangle themselves when they pass out our lips and through our fingertips. I've done a lot of funerals in my life, um, and almost all funerals home-going services, celebrations of life, call them whatever you want. There will be people that the family wants to speak. And almost all of the time, those people are not public speakers. And almost all of that time, they won't want to write out what they're going to say because that's a lot of work. But having been around the block, I always make them write it out because of this reason. If you haven't written it out, you have no idea what it is you're going to say. And you'll stand in front of people and you'll talk for 20 minutes and say absolutely nothing when you only plan to stand there for three minutes. But when you write it out, you, 
you clarify. That's why if you're going to preach, if you're going to teach, you, you have an outline. You, you, you have a manuscript. You, you know what it is that you're going to say. Well, journaling helps you clarify your thought. You study a text. You look at a text. You're thinking, this is what that text means. And because this is what it means, this is how I can apply it today. Well, if that's just in your mind, if you haven't written any of that out, you, you don't know whether you know that or not. Sometimes as you start to write something out, you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Whoa, ho, I need to come back. I'm going to have to come back tomorrow and pick that up and look at that. Um, writing clarifies all of that for you. Um, number six, uh, to help you keep a record of your spiritual progress, Second Peter 3.18 says that we grow in the grace and the knowledge and, and the truth of Christ. And, and thankfully, I've got other journal notes that encourage me that I've grown past being afraid to pray in public and and so the the journal helps you see um, you know Timothy Paul said to Timothy let your progress be known to everyone people ought to see our lives and see that there's progress but we ought to know there's progress because we're keeping track of it in the journal is very very helpful in in you doing that. It'll help you to see patterns perhaps where you need to repent, where you need help, where you need encouragement, discipleship. Number seven, to help shepherd those under your responsibility, especially in the context of family. A treasure, a journal can become a, a treasure of communication to your spouse, your family, and eventually to others as the Lord might uh, choose. So, um, Judy's free to read my journals. Um, we've done this a lot of different ways through the years, and I'm free to read hers. And um, in, in doing that, she is seeing my walk with the Lord, I'm seeing hers. And oftentimes that then um, allows us to have conversations about, uh, about our struggles um, or what have you. Um, I, for years, used my journals. My journals were the text I used for family devotions or family altar. And in learning how to do that, that ended up being something that ultimately gave me the hunger and thirst to be able to teach God's word in a in a greater in a greater way. It's from my my journals in in the study and having that written out. You do the same thing. Um, number eight, to leave a written legacy, as uh, I've already said. It's just a, a wonderful way to do that. Um, what should you write? I like in particular the word Red Sea Experiences. So that every time you have a Red Sea Experience, you ought to note it someplace, and you probably ought to need to take take time and, and write that out in detail. You, you understand what I mean. You're going to go through life, and you're going to find yourself that you did what you believe to be the right thing, and all of a sudden you find yourself, your, your back is against the Red Sea and uh, the army of Pharaoh is bearing down upon you and you look around and there's no possible way for you to be delivered and God will open the Red Sea for you and when he does you need to write that out in detail because he's not going to have to open the Red Sea for you we live in a fallen world he's going to have to open and he will open the Red Sea for you multiple times for your whole life and for you, it'll be a Red Sea experience. And each one of those will, will strengthen your faith as you look back 
And so re record those in, in, in details. Uh, do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, I don't have any money for the next semester, and I'm committed to be debt-free. And I'm not saying that now to put conviction on all of you folks um, that maybe aren't going that route. And, and you look and you say, no, I, 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 I'm going to go debt-free, and I, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to work and, and live frugal. And you finally look, and there's just not even any way you can register. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times. I literally didn't know how I was going to have transportation. Um, many, many years ago, being in the ministry wasn't some place to go to get rich, okay? And I, I, I'm not saying this to disparage Timberlake Baptist Church at all, but I'm just telling you that there were days when we literally did not have enough. And I, and I did, my vehicles were broken and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had a man call me up on the phone. I have this written, this Red Sea experience written, and asked if he could see me. And I said, sure. And he came to see me, and he came in, and he told me that him and his wife loved me, and that him and his wife pray for me and my family every day. This is maybe 25 years ago, maybe longer than 25 years ago. I still talk with them or text them often. They still pray for me every single day. It's an amazing thing, the body of Christ. He told me he loved me, and he stuck an envelope in my pocket, and he said, the Lord told us to give this to you. Thank you. He left, and I called Judy immediately at home, told her what had happened, and she said, well, what's in the envelope? And I said, I don't know, I haven't opened it yet. And she said, well, open it. And, 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 I, and I opened it, and I, and I really don't remember it. I have to go back and look. That's how small our memories are, but I don't know. It was a check in there for thousands, anyhow, uh, enough money to buy a car. Um, he didn't know I needed a car. It was a Red Sea experience. There it was. It was the answer. I, I, I took that check and I, I went out and buy a car. I've had those Red Sea kind of experiences over and over and over again in my life, and you will too if you walk by faith. And God will put you in a place where you have to. But when he does, write them down, record them, so that you can share them with your children and your children's children, and you can share them with yourself because you're going to come up to that brink where you need a Red Sea delivery again. So I put down there... Red Sea experiences, develop a pattern for renewing your mind in your journals. And uh, that leaves enough time just to look at the other thing quickly. But before I do that, let's talk about journaling. It must have some questions. I didn't go over everything in detail, but what are your questions about journaling or anything else that you'd like to talk about that maybe I could help? Anything at all? Yes, Lisa? You might have said this before, but where do you find what passes to That's a good um, question. I, I don't. Everything I do is very disciplined and ordered, with the exception of that. And uh, I don't know why. I just sort of. I, I oftentimes it's from Psalms because I typically read um, at least a Psalm a day, but it's not always. Um, I have, like I would assume you do, I have several things um, sent to my um, desktop that. Um, 
that will will come in that will have verses uh, on them. Um, I had a particularly um, difficult 24 hours um, this weekend. Um, nothing was going wrong, but I'm talking about an emotionally spiritual difficult time. And um, I wrote down in my uh, journal. So a lot of times it's, it's what I'm going through emotionally and spiritually, and then I, I go there for help. And so um, this is what I, uh, I wrote. This is at, you know, 445 this morning before I'm getting ready for anything else. I felt a lot of rejection. Felt a lot of hurt. Um, it weighed heavy. A lot of family hurt. A lot of deep family hurt and rejection that has cut my heart out over and over and over again. And um, I, I knew that my flesh wanted to have a pity party. Um, and I could tell because I felt very down. And it's the Lord's Day. And I'm going to meet with God's people. And I'm going to have the privilege of opening God's Word. And I'm going to teach God's Word at 9.15. And I need to be ready. I don't even want to leave the house, let alone go teach God's Word. So what do you do? You go to the all-sufficient Scripture that empowers you by the Spirit to do the will of the living God. So this is what I wrote. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And then I turn to Hebrews 4. These passages were intentional to help me think biblically. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then I wrote, We all suffer grief, and at times are people full of sorrows. This is a common lot to all people in a Genesis 3 world. But we have a high priest, an advocate, our Savior, who sympathizes with our weaknesses, with our griefs, and with our sorrows. In our griefs and sorrows and struggles, there are temptations that's common to all. But disciples draw near to Christ and to one another. He sympathizes and he helps us with our temptations. He helps us by drawing near to Christ, by drawing near to hear the truth. He enables us to escape the snares and strengthen our walk. That's what I wrote this morning because that's what I needed. And by the time Sunday school came, you could have peeled me off the ceiling. I was ready to go. But it was empowered by the Spirit. It wasn't me. And um, and and so I just, you know, sometimes I literally just open open the Bible. And the, the verses I'm writing may not have anything to do with what I'm actually going to study or read, read that day. So that would be the best way I would know how to 
answer that. But but mainly I'm directed towards what do I feel like that need is in my heart that needs to... God's word is totally sufficient for your every need. So you look at what your need is and you go to that word because that word is the answer to our need. Jesus is the answer, amen? But we have to go to that word and take it in. That's, that's why we need to know it so that you don't need to call up Pastor Brody and say, I'm feeling like this, what's the need? You already need to know the book. Now you can call me up and I'll tell you what the need is, okay? But th- that's why we're learning it. Somebody else question about journaling or about anything with any of this okay you have that other sheet in front of you Um, I'm not going to go through it because the hour is late but I wanted you to have that um, because I'm struggling at times and I think that you probably struggle more um Nobody would argue with me if I said to you that food can be very addicting. Nobody would argue with me if I said to you pornography can be very addicting. Nobody would argue with me if I said uh, the pursuit of wealth or power can be very addicting. But it's amazing how much argument you'll get if I tell you that the Internet is addicting. That, that being connected is addicting. Having to be what's in the know. What's happening on Facebook? What's happening on on you know, all, all the different stuff. Um, I need to check my emails. And, and, and you can become so detached from reality and you can become so strung out that you don't even know how to focus anymore. You, you, you literally have lost your ability to focus. If you battle with anxiety, that would be one of the first things I would say to anybody anymore. Um, un- unhook from the internet for, for a day and see see how much that helps you um, of course I would give you other things to do it's, it's not just that but I'm telling you that we don't just want to get alone and be quiet even when we're alone and, and listen I'm a big proponent in godly music that, to build you up but even when we're alone we always have to have noise you just don't want to be quiet because when you're quiet for a season guess who you have to live with yourself and I'm telling you we just we jam our lives full of noise so that I don't have to deal with myself and um, it's 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 a great danger so uh, there's there's a need to unplug that I I even highly recommend that however you have your time alone with with the Lord it's why I don't like the idea of the of the smartphone or the iPad even for devotions. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just telling you why I don't like it because there's a distraction. The distraction, the the pull, the pull. I wonder what else is going on. And so, you know, until I'm through my devotions, I don't want to go to my computer. I don't I don't want to do any of that because I know the, the draw is so huge. And um, I assure you, if I open that computer, that I got plenty of emails from people who want my attention right now. And I, I want to meet people's needs. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm meeting people's needs, and my tank's going empty. Because the one thing I needed the most was my time alone with the Lord. And if I don't have that, what do I have to offer anybody else? And, and so that, that that comes with with sequestering yourself. 
most people, um, when they go on vacation, you know, they think of Disney World. I don't, I'm not against Disney World. Well, I am against Disney World, but that's another story. But anyhow, um, go on vacation and have fun. But if when you come home from vacation, you need another vacation, you need to look at your vacation. You might want to write that down. Yeah, I'm serious. If, if part of your vacation isn't getting along with the Lord, isn't having long walks in quiet, if it's not just letting your um, your your mind relax and go and, and private worship, if you don't have time for that, uh, you'll find it very hard to worship when you come down here uh, every, every week at church. You'll, you'll, you'll lack something in your ability to worship because you don't know how to worship yourself alone with the Lord. And so uh, this handout hopefully will be um, a help to you and perhaps encourage you in different ways to both worship, what worship is, and the discipline of silence and solitude. And I would just encourage you to think about it. Um, have a little bit of time, uh, I would say, uh, every day, at least for me. I, by the nature of my calling, I'm available pretty much 24-7, but I will take a, an hour or maybe two a day, and I'll either turn my phone off or put it on airplane so nobody can get me. And my staff knows there's a small number of people, but now that's going to grow because all of you are going to know that they will know if an emergency comes up, they know they can call Judy. But all of those same people would never call Judy to get to me unless it was absolutely critical. So it, it protects me. It's my way of un, it's my way of un, unhooking. And and then we do the same thing when I go uh, away on on vacation. We try to have some time that is not just partying all day that I come home more wore out than before I left um, because there needs to be that time when you um, like Jesus go up on a mountain and come apart for a, a season of prayer so I would leave you with that encouragement thank you again for um, your time it's been it's been great um, and uh, God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.